We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Tuesday, October 26th edition, pre-Halloween edition of the Roto-Wire NFL podcast brought to you by WinBet. I'm Joe Barlow. You can follow me at JB Fantasy Sports along with Jake Letarski at Bro Jake. Uh, we'll get into the Monday night game, get into a bit of a, I think, mundane uh, week eight waiver wire claims and everything else like that. Before we do so, let's get a word from our title sponsors, WinBet. If there's one thing we appreciate here at RotoWire, it's making your decisions even more so with making the right decision. Listen up, folks. I have an incredible offer for you with RotoWire's news partner, WinBet. The premier digital casino and sports app, WinBet, is now the exclusive sponsor. Worldwide's fantasy podcast, WinBet, brings you all the latest action with a user-friendly interface, online bets, boosted parlays, over-unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more right at your fingertip. Want a break from sports betting? We can head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down on blackjack, find the slots, or even trying to have a knock drive. WinBet is currently available in six states, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia, while rapidly expanding. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all Worldwide listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. Download WinBet now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive sport, uh, exclusive sponsor and also partner for Worldwide's fantasy podcast. All right, Jake, with that being said, I'm glad to know that you're here with me. You didn't sleep through the Seahawks and Saints game, which was a... Horrible, horrible Monday night game for many reasons, but I'll let you go ahead and go into it first. Yeah, so, I mean, my initial thought was I think the Manning cast, the return of the Manning cast may have saved this one. Uh, The presence of Marshawn Lynch was a treat, of course, as always. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there's not a whole lot to take away from this. Of course, the weather didn't seem to help things. Uh, Both quarterbacks seemed to play quite poorly, you know, for the most part. I guess you could say Jameis did just enough. Um, I mean, DK Metcalf was really the only Seahawk who – Got it on, you know, just one big play, really, you know, that, right. uh, you know, he kind of he was, you know, Gino just kind of threw it up to him and Lattimore fell down kind of and, and DK took it right to the house and and that got his fantasy day. But I know a lot of people were excited about the return of Alex Collins. And of course, he dominated the carries with 16. But overall, uh, the backfield was split up like 
a lot, a lot, and way too, way too much for most fantasy owners to be comfortable with. Collins had 22 snaps to lead the way. Rashard Penny, back from IR, you know, he's been a fantasy name that's been around for a number of years. Is it going to be good? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, Travis Homer had 12. Like I said, Penny had 19, and DJ Dallas was only out there for one. So uh, people thinking maybe Travis Homer or, or rolling out Alex Collins, uh, you know, that waited, were, were sorely disappointed. And then on the other side, it was pretty much the Elvin Kamara game that, you know, yeah. we had all been waiting for. It was crazy. They continued to try to run him between the tackles and Seattle, whose defense, I don't think all that highly of, you know, at all, you know, they're typically one that you, uh, you target in fantasy matchups, you know, they right. couldn't run between the tackles, but they kept trying to do it. I mean, Kamara had 20 carries for 51 yards, but what happened here at the end of the first half, they went on a drive, you know, they had a score quick and they suddenly just kept throwing the ball to Kamara on, you know, seven to 10 yard routes. And it was mm-hmm. working amazingly so he ended up catching 10 of his 11 targets for 128 receiving yards in a score i mean this is the kamara that we're normally used to there is no real true between the tackles back here so i do worry about the usage a little bit down the stretch but i think kamara is going to be you know just fine it's top five definitely top 10 fantasy back you know i'm I'm sitting here really annoyed as you're going through things because i was going to have a pretty good fantasy week and honestly i, I still did a lot of the leagues i care about are I'm successful in. I was able to successfully navigate, navigate by him again. And honestly, quite frankly, it was based on the conversation that you and I had throughout the week preparing for these free agent wave wires. And so thank you for that, Jake. I needed three things to occur. I needed Alvin Kamara not to get 32 points in a full point PPR league. He had that by <laughs> halftime. So there's one mm-hmm. loss. I needed DK Metcalf to get 22 points. First play of the game, we have 16. 16 points, he can only get two the rest of the 58 mm-hmm. minutes of the game. That's yeah. ridiculous. I looked in That's the box ridiculous. score like some point in the second half, and I was like, huh, DK only has that one target. That's weird. I mean, oh, so, I, again, I, I saw this take on Twitter, but, you know, imagine, you know, being Geno Smith and the Seahawks, and, you know, you go a whole entire game, and you only target Metcalf and Lockett a combined eight times. I mean, Freddie Swain led the way in targets yes. with six. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a run team. They have to be a run team when Gino's, you know, the quarterback there because, you know. I disagree. I mean, I and that was, so I should say this. The last thing I needed was DJ Dallas and Tyler Lockett to get 6.8 points. 6.8 <laughs> points between DJ Dallas and Tyler Lockett, and they couldn't do it. Like One snap for DJ Dallas. I mean. Oh, my God. Well, I, was I the just, option to pivot to Homer or even Penny available? I didn't. It was it was uh, NFFC where you have 10, 10 team – or, sorry – 12 teams and 10 man benches. And we just didn't have anything else left. It was Mm -hmm. like, that was my flex play. Uh, And you know, whatever, if that was a low scoring game, we probably NFC cares more about the overall total points. And I think we're, we're slacking there anyway. So when does not make a difference? I was making the the point on Sirius XM just moments ago. If you are the Seahawks offense, you cannot tell me even with how incompetent you might believe Geno Smith is that you can't get more offense involved for DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. If you can't scheme targets, I don't even know if they have to catch it. If you can't scheme targets for those two players of that caliber, there is no point of you being an offensive corner in the NFL. Literally no point. Like That that should not be an issue, and yet we had run, 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 pass, and then they had a punt that was – that. All those runs, I wasn't kidding. I think it was seven and then a pass. That consisted of basically three drives, which ended the game for the Seahawks. Mm -hmm. That was a bad game. I don't even care about the weather conditions. I'm pissed. Yeah, yeah, you know you're you're right. You make a good point that DK Metcalf is kind of a uh, a jump, and you you can throw the ball up to him. He's a perfectly capable jump ball receiver because there is nobody 
I don't think there's a corner in the league. You know, maybe someone throw it, throw it in the comments, but I don't think there's a corner in the league that can match up with DK Metcalf one-on-one from a physical standpoint. DK is stronger than you are if you're an NFL defensive back right. of just about any. Right. About, so, like, I can understand Lockett having, you know, bad games. You got to think about even putting him on the bench for as long as Geno Smith is uh, the quarterback here. But there's really no excuse for not using your best offensive weapon. And, you know, when Russell Wilson's on the sidelines, there's no question in my mind that DK Metcalf is their best offensive weapon. And, you know, Metcalf owners can't complain a ton because uh, he did still end up having a good game due to the one big play. But I would love to see more usage out of him. Definitely. Yeah. It, it was just a, a frustrating game. And I didn't have the benefit of listening to the Manning cast. I was I was watching on cable. So, therefore, uh, well, I guess I could have turned on. But, I, you know, whatever. It, that mm-hmm. was that was an ugly game. And I think the weather conditions are going to, like, pretend as if they were a bigger deal with this. And, and I, I really don't think I think it's – incompetent call play calling from the Seahawks perspective and then incompetent defense. Again, I, I didn't even get a chance to rant enough about Elvin Kamara. You had mentioned that drive towards the end of the half. Literally there's one person beating you as the Seahawks defense. And then you just choose to not cover him really at any point in the game, but certainly that mm-hmm. drive that was just like a, yeah. yeah okay, great. I mean, for those, who didn't see it, for those who didn't see it, the touchdown was basically uh James fumbled the snap, right? Picked it up with one hand and threw it to a wide open Kamara. They're like with all of that going on, you know, there was no time to put up any kind of, you know, somewhat formidable defense there. So, yeah, you would definitely have the right to be frustrated if you're a Seattle fan. Yeah, I I, I can't believe it. Uh, definitely, definitely not one of the great uh, primetime games that we have thus far. So, all right, well, let's move into the actual portion of the podcast that people are tuning in for, the waiver wire edition. And unfortunately, uh, not that I want to have people tune out on this podcast necessarily, but I'll just say there's less options than there have been most weeks. And that and stems in part from the fact that mm-hmm. we have, just two teams on by last week, of course, by apocalypse yeah. uh, going on with six teams on by just mm-hmm. the Ravens and Raiders this week. And honestly, you're talking about Darren Wall or a few Raiders wide receivers, a few it's tight end Ravens by, ones. So hopefully yeah. you stick with us to tight ends because there are actual options there. Yeah. And yeah. Lamar. And Lamar. So, so we'll yeah. have some streamers. You know, I thought it was a real bad week on the surface, but then I started digging through when I found some, I think I found some decent ads here that are going to help people in fantasy, especially if you're in one of those situations like, you know, I don't know. So you haven't dropped Allen Robinson yet. You're frustrated. You're begrudgingly, begrudgingly toughing through the Tyler Lockett weeks. You're missing Kareem Hunt. You know, there, there, there's some guys that you can definitely get. Yeah, I you're right. And we'll go through a few of them before we do. Let's take a word. Uh, let's take a moment to have a word from our sponsors. Blue Wire. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, we are back. And I think it's probably best we jump into the quarterbacks right away. Again, we're missing Lamar Jackson. We're missing Derek Carr. Derek Carr, at least for me, has been uh, a viable in certain situations. We have the Joe Flacco trade. Uh, we have a few yeah. injuries that have might have opened up the opportunity for a few players. But I think for the most part, people, if you're streaming quarterbacks, you're starting at the top, and I think that would be Daniel Jones. Yeah, 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 definitely. So it, it really is a big grab bag for quarterbacks this week. You know, there's a lot of two quarterback guys, but but you're right. You nailed it. If you are uh, if you are streaming, you know, streaming for Lamar, because I mean, let's let's face it. If you have Lamar on your roster, you're only carrying one quarterback. You know, I ran into that a lot last week. I have Herbert on my roster. I'm only carrying one quarterback. You know, there are a lot of quarterbacks in that tier and Lamar is definitely one of them. So if you need a streamer, uh, Daniel Jones, he's only 28 percent rostered in Yahoo formats and he's going up against the Kansas City Chiefs who are giving up the second most fantasy points per game to opposing quarterbacks here through seven weeks. And, uh, you know, they're they're the third highest yards per attempt. And Daniel Jones has surprisingly actually played pretty well uh, of late. I mean, he had a good fantasy week last week, despite, you know, his receiving core being, you know, completely injured. But, uh, you know, he was he, he was turnover free and uh, he even caught a pass. So, uh, I mean, you know, a decent fantasy day here for him. And, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm checking his game log here. It's taking a sec to load here. But, um, you know, he's only had one, I guess, two true duds. One was against the Cowboys when he left early due to injury. And one was against the Rams. And you can't fault him for that. Otherwise, he's got 17 or more fantasy points in every game this season and two games of 30-plus points. So he's not bad. And the matchup is excellent here. So if you need a streamer, I think Danny Dimes has to be your first go-to. And with buys not in that dire of shape, you should be able to get away with uh, paying next to nothing for him in Fab. Yeah, it's funny. Last week you had mentioned Jameis Winston as a top pickup, mainly going against the Seahawks defense, but I was yeah. saying I would, I would sooner drop Jameis Winston than go ahead and start him. And you, were, you laughed at me. You scoffed at me yes, and said, yes. that's ridiculous. Okay. How do you feel about Jameis Winston now after watching that performance last Hey, listen, week? man, I had no idea what the weather forecast was going to be a week ago today. You know, I didn't, I didn't realize it was going to be – it wasn't quite monsoon like the Sunday night game, but it was definitely not uh, – not conducive to quarterback play. I hope 
you know, for my stake league team that we can get uh, Michael Thomas somewhere in action there. That situation has been weird. But if they can figure out that he if Jameis can figure out that he can and should throw the ball to Kamara 10 to 15 times per game, I think uh, his fantasy numbers could get fixed pretty quick. Yeah. Okay. Well, other than the week where I needed them not to, they haven't been. So I ask you this is Jameis Winston in consideration among Daniel Jones and a few of these other names as a streaming quarterback. Cause you were convinced last week, Jameis Winston was going to be a guy that you could use for the next three or four weeks. And I was saying, no, he sucks. The saints often sucks. And I feel confirmed last night. I don't care about the weather. You can use this excuse. I think that's, that's more or less what that offense is without, without mm-hmm. Michael Thomas right now. Yeah, you know, if you need a one-week streamer, um, I guess I'd go, I'd go with Daniel Jones over Winston, so you can you know make that one-on-one drop. But you know the the upcoming schedule still is pretty beautiful for Jameis. I mean, Tampa Bay is giving up the twenty-fifth, is ranked twenty-five against opposing quarterbacks. Atlanta is twenty-nine, and Tennessee is twenty-seven. Even after shutting down Patrick Mahomes the past week. So it's a very nice uh, schedule, like especially if you're in a two quarterback league or, you know, if you're if you're waiting for Russell Wilson or someone to get back and you miss out on Danny Dimes, I don't mind necessarily rolling, rolling Jameis out there. I mean, he's still got 19 fantasy points last night and his lowest score is uh, 13 and he's had two games of over 30 fantasy points as well. So, you know, he didn't pass the eye test last night. No doubt about that. But he's serviceable and he's got a good, he's got a good, I'm not ready to necessarily cut bait unless there's an immediate, you know, you know, like a Daniel Jones and you only need it for one week or someone, uh, I know I've seen Tua show up on a lot of streaming yeah. uh, on a lot of uh waiver wire thing. I didn't really, I didn't really think of that necessarily, but uh, he's a better fantasy quarterback than he is a real life quarterback. There's definitely no doubt about that. That's His true. receiving core is getting, uh, is getting healthier. And I mean, the last two weeks, 26.7, 33.5 fantasy points. The only problem is Buffalo this week. I mean, that's going to be a mess. You, you got to hold out until Houston the week after, maybe. So, you know, just some streamers to think about there. Are there any other guys that we should mention? Again, we talked about Daniel Jones, Jameis Winston, Tua. I think that kind of is the the list of the bottom of the barrel quarterbacks. But yeah. anybody else we should be kind of targeting or, or thinking about at the very least? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like I said, it's it's a it's a grab bag this week. So I'm just gonna go through them all in quick hitters and guys that you know maybe <laughs> want to think good. about. Maybe because I mean we don't. I mean we're already almost 15 minutes in. You know this is this is a part of the show that's a very niche audience here. So uh, let's run down the list. So uh, in case you missed it, Zach Wilson out two to four weeks with the PCL injury. Mike White was the guy who came back in for him, but they also acquired Joe Flacco, and I believe Flacco was there recently. Last year, he, yes, and he's worked with that. Uh, with those coaches in the past is my understanding. I'm not positive. He's worked with, uh, I forget which Lafleur is now as a Mike Lafleur, whatever. There's a different Lafleur over as the office yeah. coordinator. I'm not sure he's worked with them, but obviously he is familiar with New York given his time spent last season. Yeah. So, you know, obviously any jets and anyone named Joe Flacco isn't, doesn't get you excited from a fantasy standpoint, but you know how popular two quarterback leagues are. We have to mention that. And for a similar reasoning, I mean, case Keenum, he could be in play again. Baker Mayfield didn't practice at all on Monday, still dealing with that injury. So we don't know exactly how he's doing. Um, Tyrod Taylor is going to practice on Wednesday. Um, he's kind of coming back off the IR from that hamstring injury. Upcoming uh, is against first the Rams and then Miami and then bye. So, you know, it's not the greatest upcoming for him. But, you know, he's a warm body who they believe will be the starter when they come back. And he even had a decent week one for the Texans. So you never know. Maybe you can get 10, 15 points in your two quarterback league and uh, or hope for the best in that situation. Um, I was 
was checking out Jim Coventry's XM show and he mentioned, well, maybe Ryan Fitzpatrick will be back after the week nine bye. It's way long term, but he's someone that, uh, you know, I guess you kind of got to put on your radar on your watch list to make sure he comes back because he's definitely taking that job back from Taylor Heineke when that day comes. And then this one's a, a long shot and there's a lot going on with this guy. But uh, I don't know. Deshaun Watson seems there's been rumblings like he's getting closer to getting traded. Obviously, that depends on the uh, situation. But, hey, I've seen 16 team two quarterback leagues and if you have a bench spot you know go for it i guess he would probably be your first drop if you had to make a tough call but um but i don't know there's a i i still think he can play like i don't think he just decided to get out of shape over i think we'll find out next week with the trade deadline if he's not traded he's not gonna be playing if he is traded he -hmm. probably will play yeah Uh, so i mean it's either nfl signs off in it yeah so basically it's either wait for him to get traded then have to pay a bunch of fab for him or do it or, ahead of time. Yep. Or do it ahead of time and, and get him for nothing. So that's kind of why he makes the list. But like I said, it's a grab bag, quick hitters, a bunch of different situations going on with quarterbacks. Most of this is uh, really for two quarterback leagues here. But uh, the only, you know, even in shallower one quarterback leagues, you know, Daniel Dimes should be your first choice to stream. I think that's the big takeaway here. Right on. And I, I completely agree with you in terms of the overview of those quarterbacks and Daniel Jones specifically as the top target. Let's move over to running backs. Last week, we talked about McKissick. Who ended up doing okay? I mean, you and I were both at that game. Uh, I kept telling my wife, who was with me at that one, that it's going to be Terry McLaurin. Watch number 17. Of course, McLaurin gets the touchdown on the first drive, and she was like, oh, okay, so you're going to be annoying all game. I'm like, yep, I am. And then I said, watch 41 out of the backfield, McKissick. I actually was surprised, didn't do as as much as I was mm-hmm. anticipating, was, but it was enough uh to be fantasy relevant i think the dearness johnson uh dimitri felton combo which we had to kind of try to grapple with on a tuesday when we didn't mm-hmm. have a lot of information about nick chubb stats yep. ended up being really beneficial for dearness johnson managers out there less so for felton who i had to start uh in a few nffc leagues and then we also talked about uh, uh travis homer and dj dallas who both became kind of irrelevant with rashad penny back and um Boy, with Alex Collins still healthy in that one too. So mm-hmm. let's go ahead and kind of dip into the Eagles backfield, which I imagine will be most prominent for people. We have mm-hmm. Miles Sanders on a week-to-week basis out with a low ankle sprain. Now enter Kenny Gamewell, who's been our favorite name at running back for about five weeks now, and Boston Scott, who reemerged and became relevant again for fantasy purposes after Sanders went down. Yeah, yeah. So that's the big uh, caveat here in this Kenny Gainwell thing is like, Listen, the Eagles weren't running the ball really to begin with, right? So, I mean, anyone who's rostered Miles Sanders has felt this pain here. They're they're just not running the ball, period. So uh, the five carries a game that were going to go to Sanders, do they go to do some go to Boston Scott? And I imagine they still stick in a two-back system. But uh, I just think by default, we have to um, we have to make Kenny Gainwell the top, uh, probably the top overall pickup this week, you know, unless, you know, right. I want to say this. After Bipocalypse, everybody in every fantasy league had to make some really difficult cuts last week. So before we even kind of go through these names, I would recommend going back at the transaction log of your league and taking a look at who all got cut because there are people had to make tough calls. People had to make very, very tough calls. And uh, there are definitely going to be some people out there who you wouldn't expect to be out there. Uh, So definitely, uh, you know, you want to take a look at that first. But anyway, uh, back to Gainwell. He is, I mean, he was definitely the guy here. Um, he'll lead the backfield in touches. I'm pretty sure of that. I mean, it was, um, let's see here. So prior to Sanders leaving, he took seven touch. He had seven touches on 12 snaps, but then he was carted off. After the first quarter, Gainwell played 58% of the snaps. 
and Scott played 44% of the snaps after the first quarter. So, uh, you know, the fourth quarter nature of this game, you know, has a, has a little bit to do with it. You know, I try, it a little bit, yes, right? Yeah, exactly. I, you know, I try to, um, you know, I try to take that into account, but I mean, there's still no doubt in my mind. I'd rather have Gainwell over Scott. And when you look at a lot of the other backs, uh, you know, that we're going to talk about this week, um, not many of them, again, it's a grab bag here of guys that, you know, we're going to throw some darts at the wall and hope one or two of them stick, you know, as far as my grab bag goes. Um, but I mean, I mean, Gainwell's the guy just because of, uh, just because of opportunity here. So I definitely, I mean, I mean, it's as simple as that. There's not a ton of super deep analysis in this. He's going to get most of the touches. He catches passes out of the backfield and he has in the past this season been used in the red zone. So, uh, if you're the guy getting 60% of the snaps in this Eagles backfield, then, you know, that alone makes you fantasy relevant. Not necessarily because I expect the Eagles to be competitive, but they're going to be the garbage time fantasy Kings this year. The other factor is he's got the uh, Gainwell and the Eagles have the Lions in week eight who are 30th against running backs. And then they've got the uh, the Chargers in week nine who are 31st against running backs. So again, two wonderful matchups here to look forward to mixed with um, an uptick. I mean, Gainwell was probably started by some people in desperation during Bipocalypse. Yeah. Now you can actually feel a little bit better about starting him. You know, in our 14-team dynasty league that has, you know, full rosters and two flexes, I've started Gainwell a handful of times. And I'm, like I right. said, I'm just, all, you know, I, I'm going to continue to do that. I'll just feel a little bit better about it. I think there's higher upside for him to do well this week than in the past. But you're right. The Boston Scott thing complicates a little bit. Are, would you recommend fantasy managers could essentially pick a both? Obviously not want to play both. But if you say missed on Gainwell, who I think we both are a little bit higher on, getting circling back to Boston Scott as a desperate flex play if you really had to. There's there's worst case scenarios is what I'm kind of hearing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how many teams have the luxury of uh, getting to pick up and roster an entire backfield, you know, unless, you know, you've got some trash on the bottom of your roster. If, for example, you know, talking about some of the cuts, not to skip around too much, but Malcolm Brown went on IR, uh, Damian Williams uh, hasn't, you know, how much of a factor is Herbert's be? been good, right? Yeah, I mean, that's Herbert's been good, yeah. And then you have Ramondre Stevenson being a healthy scratch. You can obviously cut Trey Sermon if you haven't already. You know, Gio Bernard, Mark Ingram, those types of guys. McNichols, if you were rostering, you know, a, a Henry With backup. Harrington Evans back now, yep. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and Mike Davis, if you're in a shallower league, I think he starts to get into that cut conversation. So, yeah, if you're rostering some of those guys, then maybe you can go ahead and pick up two. But, uh, you know, I... Gainwell is the one that you want to roster for sure. Yeah. Um, we we have to at least mention Michael Carter, who's rostered in 62% of Yahoo League, 67 of ESPN. Mm-hmm. Pretty high above our threshold, but I, I, I think it more speaks to, again, this week being tough. And you had mentioned it with so many people dealing with Biomageddon last week. There might be some tough cuts that were made, and Michael Carter could be among those players. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I could definitely see that. I mean, Ty Johnson's in concussion protocol, and Tevin Coleman, I believe, didn't play last week with a hamstring injury. So, uh, yeah, he misses our threshold, but, you know, I saw him. um, Let me see. I've got the snaps up here. Uh, What do we have for the Jets? I mean, Carter was 70.8% of the snaps, and that's with Ty Johnson still playing. Uh, Well, I mean, he didn't enter concussion protocol till midway through the first quarter, um, and, you know, Johnson only played four of 18 snaps in the third quarter. So maybe it was – it was trending that way eventually here. So um, again, I there's not really much at all to be excited about this Jets team, given uh, you know the quarterback situation that we are about to face. But uh, you know, a running back that's taking seventy percent of the snaps due to circumstance does warrant a little bit of fantasy attention. 
Yeah, uh, let's turn our attention to, I think, the Raiders' backfield that has Josh Jacobs to possibly dealing with an injury. I think, like, Monday, it sounded like the injury wasn't serious, that he could be playing or able to play this next this next week. Chest contusion, fine. Kenny Drake finally got some opportunities. We, we had seen Josh Jacobs miss time earlier this season. It was Peyton Barber all the way, and I think at one point we were both all on board Kenny Drake being dropped outright. Well, here it ends up being Kenny Drake getting a lot more involved in this game. I don't know if that's the John Gruden factor or something like that. Like Peyton Barber does seem like a John Gruden guy, but whatever the case, Kenny Drake did have a, a pretty big game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Josh Jacobs has, you know, you're going to see it on the injury report as a chest contusion. Remember they have a bye week coming up this week. Um, you know, Josh Jacobs, like I said, you'll see it as a chest contusion, but he's probably got two or three more injuries that he's working back from the chest contusion. It's just the latest one that, you know, rises to the top, I guess, in the situation. Jacobs is going to be banked up constantly. Uh, Richard, um, you know, might cut in on some passing down work, but if Jacobs is out, I think for the rest of the season, Drake's probably the guy to roster there. Um, I mean, the rest of this running back list, do you want to go, you want to go quick hitters? With yeah, this? I think we can quick hit this through this too, yeah. Um, I wrote down an observation that Samaj P. Ryan was dangerously close to outsnapping Joe Mixon this week. So something to keep in mind. I believe P. Ryan, you know, kind of had that job and then he was hurt or COVID or something like that. And now he's back. It's quite possible Joe Mixon isn't 100% with an ankle injury. So we definitely want to watch that. And I mean, the Bengals do have the Jets this week. So, uh, you know, there's possible two backs could get. That was a uh, surprising there. blowout last week. And I think it's very possible with the Bengals like a double digit favorites this week that mm-hmm. it could be blown again. And if you're the Bengals, playoff aspirations now pretty clear. Saving Mixon against these lesser teams could be a smarter choice if you're kind of thinking long term for their season. Yeah, yeah. And then um, and then one more guy that I don't know how much we touched on at the very beginning of this segment, because I know we talked about Salvan Ahmed last week. His circumstances uh, definitely changed because Malcolm Brown, who actually got the start and four early looks in that matchup here against the Falcons, Malcolm Brown will now be on IR for the rest of the year. Um, who gets those goal line carries? Because I think Brown was seemingly getting a lot of them. Um, you know, you never know. Miles Gaskin has been just wildly inconsistent this year. Right. And even with, uh, so, you know, with Brown taking less than 7% of the snaps, it was Gaskin 63% and Selvin Ahmed 30%. Ahmed got seven carries and two targets, and that, which is now for back-to-back weeks. So he's consistently getting a little bit of volume here. Malcolm Brown was getting 5.3 looks per game. Um, you know, I'm pulling again, I'm pulling all this from Jerry's backfield breakdown. It's just gold for fantasy, but, um, you know, that's five looks to, uh, to separate between the two. And, you know, he, I haven't been able to trust miles Gaskin. Fortunately, I don't have him anywhere. If you're in a spot where you are trusting miles Gaskin, you know, maybe you want to think about beefing that up or backing that up with Ahmed in this case. Yeah. I'm, I'm completely, uh, in agreement with those guys. And I think, Ahmed is going to be more of a, a lower end one to $2 guy. If you, yep. you are in a fab situation, more or less. Mm-hmm. Also. Yeah. The last one I'll mention on here again, uh, this is kind of a warning. Don't go box score chasing and try to pick up JJ Taylor. He scored twice in mop up duty against the jets, but he's not suddenly part of this new England backfield. Yeah. And even Brandon Bolden was scoring in mop up, mop up duty as well, too. I mean, those, mm-hmm. both those guys, it was, the scores were in irrelevant portions of that contest, too. Um, before we move over to the wide receivers, let's get a word from our sponsors, Yahoo. The new NFL season is finally here, and Yahoo's excited to kick off and continue daily fantasy football. There'll be a ton of big prize contests throughout the season on Yahoo, including their multi-entry contest now being shark-free. To celebrate the opening of Yahoo Daily Fantasy Football and the continuation 
of becoming shark free, Yahoo is giving all users the opportunity to claim free $10 in contest entry credit. Users can take advantage of this free $10 contest entry credit offer to join one of Yahoo's biggest contests. In addition to the free credit, Yahoo has a $1 million DFS football contest live. The $1 million contest features obviously $1 million in total prizes, including first place receiving $100,000 and an entry to the first ever Yahoo Fantasy Football Championship live finals event which will occur at the MGM National Harbor in Maryland this December. Play Daily Fantasy Football on Yahoo this season. Visit sports.yahoo.com slash dailyfantasy slash welcome to claim the free $10 offer to get started. Okay, so we had talked wide receivers um, last week. Uh, Rashad Bateman, Paris Campbell, who had went on uh, into reserve, Darnell Movie, uh, Shepard as well. Didn't play. I mean, we, we had kind of been dealing with the Giants and trying to guess what was going to mm-hmm. end up happening. I know that um, – not John Ross, but uh, Dante well, Dante yeah. Pettis had an actually decent game because mm-hmm. there were so many people that were missing time from the Giants pass catchers. Exactly. I mean, they ended up with Darius Slayton getting nine targets and then Dante Pettis getting five targets, which led to one of the touchdowns here. So, um, you know, if you believe in Danny Dimes as a streamer, um, find out who's healthy in that receiving core. Yeah. And I think if Shepard's back, he'll be the target hog, at least until Tony is able to come back around too. So, uh We have no idea what kind of health they're in, but we're going to assume that they have enough guys there for Dimes to be, you know, somewhat productive as a streamer there. So we'll knock that bullet point out of of the way early there with the Giants options. Let's talk Cowboys pass catchers sticking the NFC East. It seems like Michael Gallup will return off of injured reserve. You know, speaking of that, somebody mentioned Jerry Judy. Uh, If that's a pickup, Jerry Judy should also be a pickup. He is likely going to be returning from injured reserve as well this week too, but Probably rostered in like 70, 80% of leagues. Go get Jerry Judy. Michael Gallup is a different story. I actually had to cut him in stake league uh, due to a number of different you know decisions we have to make with our mm-hmm. rosters and, and limited bench space. I, you know, I, I wasn't enamored with Michael Gallup this season. I know others were. That Cowboys offense is obviously electric coming off a bye this week. We know how good Mike McCarthy is off a bye. It's whether or not that workload will be spread around enough where Michael Gallup becomes re- relevant from a roster perspective. If you're in deeper formats, Absolutely. The only issue is he's probably not dropped in deeper formats, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. So, I mean, if anything, uh, Michael Gallup probably kicks Cedric Wilson back down to, you know, special teams and very limited work here. And maybe he cuts a new. I mean, the tight ends were getting quite a bit of work lately, but Dalton Schultz killing it right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, so in the uh, very first game of the season against Tampa Bay in which he got hurt. He was on the field for 45 snaps and was given seven targets, caught four for 36. Gallup was the guy who they seemed to be using really early on. And he's more of a, I think I'm going to call him more of a possession receiver, you know, probably more helpful in a PPR guy. Sure. Uh, you know, and I don't see him running a ton of those deep routes, you know, those deep posts go to CD Lamb and, and Cooper's the guy who's usually running the flies. It seems like, you know, just observation, you know, casual. Yeah. Ones I don't there. think your assessment yeah. is wrong. That's yeah, okay. exactly. But, um, so, no, yeah, Gallup definitely has a role, and this is an offense that I find is good. I think the Cowboys are going to go to the playoffs as the best team in this division by a sizable margin, and, you know, they're going to continue scoring points, and Gallup's going to get a fair share of them. He's absolutely, you know, wide receiver three material, um, you know, because we're far from done with buys, and it's a long season. You know, something could always right. happen, you know, to the rest of those top guys. So I, I've always believed in Gallup as a good player. Of course, when they drafted C.D. Lamb, I was like, well, geez, those hopes are going to go out the window a little bit just because there's not going to be enough to go around. But, uh, no, I like Gallup as a pickup, only 40% rostered. He could do a lot worse. I would be dropping, for example, um, I'm going to check to see if he's available in my 10-teamer, and I'll drop Tim Patrick for him, for example. Yeah, uh, good. Again, to wrap back to Jerry Judy likely returning this week. We were 
be remiss not to discuss the Packers situation. Our Packers coming off that win Sunday, traveling to what was going to be a big primetime matchup Thursday night against the Cardinals. Now Devontae Adams is in COVID protocol. He is vaccinated, so if he has two negative tests over the next two days, he could be eligible to play. Seems a little bit unlikely that's going to happen. We don't know yeah. if MVS is coming off injured reserve. We don't know mm-hmm. if David Bakhtiari is coming off injured reserve. There's a lot of pieces overall of the Packers offense that they could just simply say, oh, you know what? We'll just punt on this game. Well, we're probably seeing the Cardinals later on, not really tip our hand too much. Obviously, you don't want to do like that with Aaron Rodgers and jeopardizing his health. But I just think there could be some gamesmanship overall with the Packers uh, exactly. on Thursday. Yeah, so my crystal ball failed me last week in trying to predict injuries for the Thursday game, you know, with Nick Chubb and all. So I'm not <laughs> going to try to uh, I'm not going to try to make any declarations about the future. But one thing I will say is, you know, I- I've said this before on the show in preparation for this podcast. I checked just about every viable fantasy free agent waiver wire video, you know, watching them all on YouTube, checking all the Twitter feeds, you know, and everything. I, I sweep everything because I don't want to miss anybody, right? right? If I've omitted somebody from the outline that we're talking about, it is intentional because I don't think that they're even worth a mention. You know, as you can see, when I do these grab bags, some of these are, uh, you know, they're, they're just names to maybe put in the back of your mind in case circumstances change here. Um, but when I was looking at a lot of other resources this week, a lot of people are recommending that we pick up Alan Lazard. And that is, I'm going to warn you as someone who watches, you know, you and I watch the Packers closer than anyone. Yep. So if you're ever going to trust our analysis on, uh, on, you know, on any team, I think this would be the spot to tune in and tune the volume up and, you know, tell the kids to hush in the back of the car. You're going to, you're about to hear something important. Alan Lazard is out on the field for more snaps than Devonte Adams, actually 90% of the snaps. And that's been the case um, in a lot of weeks this, this year. The reason for that is Alan Lazard is the best blocking receiver in the NFL. I don't know if Pro Football Focus does grades for that. I wouldn't be able to look that up on the fly, but I would not be surprised if he is number one because he gets downfield and, you know, okay. So as someone that, you know, way, way back in the day, I was a center and I wouldn't always get a nose tackle lined up. So I'd have to go pick a linebacker off. You know, I'm not the fastest or most athletic guy. That is one of the hardest things in any sport that I've ever had to do is to get a linebacker that's got, you know, a second or two faster on their 40 time than me and pick them off in the open field. Alan Lazard makes it look easy and he's lining up on the outside and picking people off, whether it's setting up screens for Devontae to come right around his block or blocking in the run game. Alan Lazard is an insane blocker. Now, because he's on the field that much, there is there are definitely chances um, in which he'll get targets just because he's there. He's on the field. You know, he might get open once in a while. However, I think the big beneficiaries, if Devontae Adams does sit, which of course, yeah, I don't know, he could, if I were the Packers, I'd be testing him a thousand times, just hoping to get a negative uh, to sneak in there. But, uh, you know, he could maybe come back, but probably not. We're going to assume that Devontae is out for this situation. Um, I don't think Lazard necessarily gets a huge target uptick necessarily. Uh, obviously, MVS, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, um, he's had some rapport with Rodgers, of course, over the years. He could be back. I think he would get a big chunk of uh, of that play. And honestly, I was pretty low on Randall Cobb to begin the year. I knew you were going here. Yep. But this is actually a week where, you know, Randall Cobb will get on the field more and he uh, and he'll actually get you know targets here. He's not the blocker Lazard is. You know they obviously Cobb is no not even anywhere near Devonte at this stage of his career. But I could see a lot more targets, especially if MVS doesn't come back and if Devonte sits. I would I would start Cobb over Alan Lazard in um, in just about any situation here because I think the extra looks will go to Cobb 
and the the snap count Lazard will still lead the whole wide receiving core and total snap count but that doesn't necessarily translate to increased production now could I get burned by this all it takes is Rodgers to find him on one deep ball he's the best you know he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league he could find him if he managed to shed his defender and get open on a double move I won't rule that out completely but uh, I would say if they play 10 games, you know, against with this alignment on Thursday night, Cabo scores Lazard in eight of them just because he's the one that's getting the extra looks as a result of Devontae's absence. I mean, Devontae's top 10 in the league in terms of uh, target share and wide, you know, for wide receivers and, and, and you know, all, all those extra fun metrics that Jerry likes to use on his article. Devontae is the highest usage rate here. So we need someone that's going to get targets and have their role actually change and evolve. And I think that could be Cobb. So there's a lot to unpack with this. And and I think we could spend some time because we already breezed through the running backs. I mean, there really is not a lot of top pickups to make. And I think people are going to be confused about this Packers situation. And they're going to look at the snap count thing and think, yes, Lazard's got to be the next guy up if Devontae Adams is out. And you are 100% correct about his blocking prowess. You pointed to running outside and making the blocks, and that might be so. I always think of what the Packers believe Lazard to be as a blocker when you watch them in the red zone. I can't tell you how many times this season alone I've watched the motion Lazard from the outside in. And when they are doing those uh, shotgun dives to Aaron Jones, they'll have Lazard more or less chip a running back, chip, chip an end, or get in there as an additional blocker. That is the value that Alan Lazard possesses yeah. that is better than most in the NFL. And the red zone in particular is huge. Now the Packers over the last two weeks have built off of that by using him as a red zone option. I mean, he's gotten mm-hmm. five targets and six targets over the past two weeks. Not a lot, but he scored two touchdowns. I think this is in some ways trying to build confidence to Lazard. Um, Mm -hmm. Much in the same way that they got MVS going towards the end of the playoff run last year, uh, and MVS was huge down the stretch. I think this is kind of a way to get Lazard feeling a little bit more comfortable himself and confident. That's great. I think that they do need to do that Mm -hmm. if they have championship aspirations. You you hit the nail right on the head. Hold on. Randall Cobb is going to be the biggest difference maker. And I think of him, mm-hmm. we've talked about before, the Hunter Renfro points, right? You get five catches, 50 yards in a full-point PPR league. That's Absolutely. Hunter Renfro numbers. That's Randall Cobb's floor. And we've seen it already. Even though Cobb has been gone from the Packers for the past couple of years, he and Rodgers have such an innate connection and are able to do things so well. Isaiah Simmons and those other fast mm-hmm. linebackers are probably going to be tasked with covering Robert, Robert Tunyon, who had a big game this past week. I think Randall Cobb in that middle of the field is going to be a huge factor. And if he ends with something like six for 70, that will be like a, a like I'll be surprised that that's all he did. I think if the Packers yeah. are competitive, it's Randall Cobb was the biggest day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll definitely give you that here. You know, last couple things on Lazard. Yeah, he's scored in back-to-back weeks here. Two of the worst three uh, defenses against opposing wide receivers in the league. So we'll throw, you know, so that definitely helps the case of the numbers looking a little bit better lately. And uh, man, I just wanted to say, it's a shame that, uh, uh, you know, okay, never mind. I shouldn't, shouldn't say it's a shame because they did this rule for a reason. But remember when wide receivers could crack block defensive ends? If they could still do right. that, Lazard would be murdering people this year, and it would be so fun to watch. But, you know, yeah. alas, the evolution of football here. But One, uh, one other step I want to make, and this doesn't really impact from a waiver wire perspective, Devontae Adams missed, I think, really specifically that primetime match against the Chiefs. And who had the biggest game then? Aaron Jones. I think Aaron Jones actually gets split out wide a lot more often if uh, Devontae Adams is out. Mm -hmm. And by default, A.J. Dillon, I think, will get a lot more opportunities. Maybe not carry the ball. I think he's just going to get more snaps. Yeah, I think A.J. Dillon is so talented that if you say, hey, he's getting 10 to 15 more snaps, that Mm -hmm. might make me consider him as a flex option if I was pressed for action. 
Two yeah. only two teams on by. Maybe you're not dealing with that, but I think this could be a better AJ Dillon yeah. game as well. It, with Aaron Jones out wide. Yeah. If it were PPR, I still think I'd flex Cobb. So the two big takeaways here is to not get too lofty expectations for Lazard, and suddenly Cobb's a flexible play, especially in PPR. I think those are the big ones. Yeah. Uh, last wide receiver to mention because we already talked about Dante Pettis and the Giants' pass catchers a little bit earlier. Russell Gage finally mm-hmm. had a decent enough outing. Uh, we had Kyle Pitts reemerge, made sure that he can actually perform in North America. It's not just Europe where he could do well in. Uh, and Calvin Ridley kind of doing some things as well too. But Russell Gage, kind of a bigger factor. I'll be honest, I don't want many shares of this Falcons offense. I think it's Patterson, I think it's Ridley, and it's Kyle Pitts. And after mm-hmm. that, I'm I'm less interested. But Russell Gage maybe is taking advantage of his number two role with the yeah. with, as a wide receiver with the Falcons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, people were uh, – I mean, Gage is definitely the number two receiver. You know, after, after the bye week, he came back. He had almost tripled the snaps of Tajay Sharp and de- had tripled the snaps of Olamide Zacchaeus. So, you know, he's right out there. Uh, but the thing is, is with Kyle Pitts – he plays like a receiver. He's the number two receiver. They light him out wide so much, and I'm actually worried in my keeper league that he might lose his tight end eligibility. <laughs> Seriously, the way his alignment, you know, maybe maybe it takes something a little bit more. It's not quite Marquez Colston like if you remember that if you've been yeah. playing long enough. But uh, you know, we're not that far off here, and I don't want to I don't want to jinx you know the fantasy gods and put that out there. But I you know if this keeps up, I wouldn't be surprised. But still, Russell Gage could be a little bit sneaky. I mean, he brought in four of his six targets for 67 yards and a touchdown. And, um, you know, let's see here the matchups that they have coming up, if they're any good. Carolina, a little tough. Uh, the Saints against receivers, Cowboys, Patriots, you know, you know, three of the next four, I guess, are bottom third uh, uh, defenses against wide receivers. So, um, you know, maybe there's some decent matchups in there, but uh I don't know. He's someone that's rosterable and you keep him around. Again, I kind of, I, if we're going to call it the Hunter Renfro line this year, I think he's right at that line. So yep. uh, there's some fantasy utility there. I, I completely agree. Randall Cobb, one of the bigger winners if Devonta Adams were to be missing time. Packers fans, big losers there. I think football fans might be big losers too because that's a, a good mm-hmm. game that could be bad depending on what the Packers choose to do. All right, let's move over to tight ends and mm-hmm. defenses before we do that. A word from our sponsors, Thrive Fantasy. Thrive is back for another fantasy season, and they're running huge guaranteed contests each week this NFL. With Thrive Fantasy, you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus on only the top-tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. Sign up today and get a free six-month RotoWire subscription right now. Here's how you claim your RotoWire subscription. Visit rotowire.com slash thrive, deposit a minimum of $10, and receive a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. And you can play in your first paid contest and receive a free six-month RotoWire subscription. Again, that's uh, going to rotowire.com slash thrive. You deposit a minimum of $10 and receive a $100% deposit up to $100, as you say. And again, if you just play in their first paid contest, you'll get that free six-month RotoWire subscription. Okay, so tight ends. We're missing Mark Andrews. We're missing Darren Waller. Well, it's tough because Darren Waller didn't play this past week. You can't really use Foster Moreau, who might have helped you this past week, too. It's a little bit tough. It's CJ Uzama and then, like, anything else besides him? Yeah, yeah. This is actually it's – a, it's a pretty difficult situation here because, of course, like you said, Foster Moreau would be helpful if they were playing this week, right. you know? Um, and, but so like, how are you realistically going to handle that? You know, I, like, so I, I have Waller in one league. I can't afford to pick up Moreau and have them both on my bench this week. I just, I just can't, you know, I, I started a guy on buy and stake week league this week purposely 
so I didn't have to cut Michael Thomas. And that decision could come back to burn me later on here, but uh, we'll see. So tough roster decisions. I don't think you can roster two tight ends from the same team on a buy. So Moreau will probably, unless someone's just, you know, got bench spots to burn, suddenly woke up week eight and decided I'm going to do waivers. Um, chances are that they're not going to be picked up. Uzoma is the interesting one because I, in my head, have always thought of him as like a maybe a fringe red zone guy, probably a good blocker, but there's a lot of things that are going well uh, for him in this case. Um, out of all the pass catchers in Cincinnati last week, Uzoma was on the field for the second highest amount of snaps, only trailing Jamar Chase. So Uzoma was on the field more than Tyler Boyd and more than T. Higgins, more than Joe Mixon, more than Sample, P. Ryan, Auden Tate. The whole deal here. So, uh, you know, Uzoma's one, he's on the field. And two, he's running routes on 94.4% uh, of his pass mm-hmm. of his snaps. So out of 162 plays, uh, passing plays, he's ran routes on 153 of them, been targeted 19 times. And that's, um, you know, once you take out the 100% guys that have, uh, you know, like 12 or less targets, um, he's definitely, uh, Uzoma's like, that's a top 10 rate. So not only is he on the field a ton, He's running routes on passing plays, and that's conv- right. that's defied my conventional logic of of Uzoma. So I I would say that it's uh it's very fair to put him into uh in in a pickup consideration at tight end this week. And he's only rostered ten percent of both leagues with people on buy. Yeah, again, this is a tight end bye week, right? You know, with right. Andrews and Waller off, um, he's a guy that you shouldn't have to pay a premium for still because a lot of people, I think, still see that name and think, ah, CJ Uzoma, you know, might blow up for a week or two, but it's not going to last, right? You can probably throw him out there this week and, and and take your points. And if he has another good week, you can keep him and maybe flex him in an emergency down the road. So I'll give you this one. I've seen a lot of Robert Tunyon when I've been looking at my leagues available on waiver wear with Devontae Adams out. Would you go with Tunyon or would you go with Uzoma? Um, I think that I would actually go with Uzoma because Tunyon, of course, the week after we say we could probably catch him, he actually has his good week. Still, it was only five targets. I mean, in the last four weeks before that, he had 32 yards combined here. So I feel like, um, I feel like chasing, it's a little bit of box score chasing. If you go back to Tanya, number one and number two, okay, this is a weird stat sample size, you know, over seven weeks, but Arizona is the toughest defense against fantasy tight ends this year. They are ranked number one. Um, it's crazy I after many that. years where they were the worst right now. We are, we're mm-hmm. finally dealing with one of the best shocking what speed at linebacker does Packers. Listen up. Shocking. Mm-hmm. Hey, I mean, the Packers linebackers have outperformed everything, you know, that, that, that I thought they would, but yeah, the Cardinals it's, actually by a pretty sizable margin here too. fantasy points per game. They're giving up in seven games. They're giving up 2.2 fantasy points per game to opposing tight ends. Wow. That's standard format. Um, and let me say uh, PPRs. I'd imagine it's going to be, um, can't be that much. The, the, yeah. They're, they're actually the fifth, the fifth, uh, lowest right. In, right. Uh, in, in PPR as far as points per actually know what what? i lied i lied i lied the the page on rotowire takes it it refreshes they're still number one uh 5.5 fantasy ppr points to opposing tight ends that's 1.7 points less than uh than number two so i mean that's almost a full standard deviation above the next worst here and you know you can joke about these numbers you know when we're two three weeks in but i think there's some meaning here at week seven so the uh so hey fantasy football stats guy he's got 5.4 our guys, yeah, like I said, our guys calculate, uh, you know, 5.5, probably just a rounding error. But uh, but no, so anyway, bad matchup. And, uh, 
you know, again, your box score chasing a little bit with Tanya, even though, um, you know, some of these other uh, receivers could be possibly out. So uh, I still think I like Uzoma because he did it with three very healthy Cincinnati receivers and in a week where Chase had 200 yards. I like that. Good analysis there. Um, from a streaming defense perspective, I think it's pretty cut and dry. Your Bengals pick up against Joe mm-hmm. Flacco or Mike, Mike White. You might consider the Chargers against Mac Jones and company. But I think just overall, that there's a few key places. You could go mm-hmm. either way with the Seahawks, Jacksonville, Jaguars, yeah. given how bad that team. Like, I would prefer the Bengals, clearly. But I think those other three they mentioned, yeah. kind of all, all – decent top mm-hmm. 12 plays yeah hey real quick we didn't give tommy sweeney for the bills any love remember uh oh yeah dawson yeah, knox, yeah. knox has a broken hand you know if you need a flyer a dart throw two tight end league that kind of thing um you know you think about tommy sweeney i guess here but yeah anyway you nailed it with streaming defenses i think the Bengals are number one across the board whether it's joe flacco or whether it's mike white uh the Bengals. the only th- box they don't check is they're on the road but the over under in that game is 43 and a half so uh that's one that uh that's going to be my top one uh, priority. I'm still not bidding, using fab dollars on it, but I'm building, I'm putting the Bengals first. And then after that, I think I'm going back to the Seahawks against Jacksonville. They're the home team, another over under 43.5 game. And I know the weather maybe helped out a little bit on Monday night, but the Seahawks defense actually looked pretty decent, um, you know, especially at defending runs between the tackles. So, you know, maybe they can bottle up James Robinson a little bit because he's the best player, I think, on that offense here for now. So it's Bengals than Seahawks for me. And if you really want to get cute, uh, the Chargers, you know, they're home against the Pats. Uh, Chiefs at home against the Giants. I've seen a couple people bring up, but I'm not messing around with the Chiefs at all over under 52. I jotted down Philly at Detroit just because uh, Detroit's bad, but so is Philly. So I wouldn't mess with that either. It's, it's Bengals or Seahawks or bust for me. Yeah, um, I'm kind of right there with you on that. I We have a little bit of time, so I want to bring up one question I thought was interesting. Forget the way in which Deontay Johnson was spelled, but look at this trade on our site, or I'm sorry, on the uh, live broadcast right now. Deontay Johnson and Kyle Pitts for Dale, Darren Waller and Keenan Allen. I know you're high on Deontay Johnson. Is this a, like, which side of this is better in your opinion? Oh, hell yeah. I'm very high on Deontay Johnson, and um, that's not going away. I Maybe maybe I didn't mention him the past week, but uh, I take the Deontay Johnson and Pitts side here, um, and I'm pretty confident about it, too. I want the Deontay Pitts side because, again, Waller's banged up, and he's on a bye week. Pitts is off his bye week. You get him you know, the rest of the week, the year. Um, so that's just a little bit tipping the scales. And I just I, the way that Kyle Pitts is being used is um, is insane. It's like having a wide receiver two or three in your tight end spot. And Deontay Johnson will lead the league the rest of the way out in targets. You can mark my words on that. Um, that's that's uh, my know, thoughts I, are. I think you asked this trade four weeks ago and I might be a little bit different. Kyle Pitts was struggling then. I was pretty certain Ben Roethlisberger stinks and maybe Juju Smith-Schuster is going to get involved more. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty certain Ben Roethlisberger stinks too, but if he targets one guy 15 times, that guy's a good fantasy asset. Right, yeah. Well, that's that's exactly why uh, Harris is as, Najee Harris is as good as he is too in fantasy. Not because of talent, I can tell you that right now, uh, but from opportunity. And now Kyle Pitts is getting more involved too. This is a no-brainer to me. I think you take the Deontay Johnson, Kyle Pitts side every time. And I do like Darren Waller. I do like Keenan Allen. But I think there's a unequivocally the right way, and at least it's trending that way in Deontay Johnson and Kyle Pitts as well too. Mm-hmm. So that was one yeah. of the questions I just thought was a little bit interesting. It was why I had a bit more time. Mm-hmm. But uh, that does it yeah. for us on the RotoWire NFL Tuesday edition of the Waverwire podcast. Daniel Jones, Randall oh. Cobb. Yeah, some sneaky ones. Not not some mm-hmm. crazy big names, but hopefully ones that yep. can help you in your fancy lineups this yeah. week. 
Uh, yeah, Let me sneak I'm, a couple of plugs in here before we wrap ahead. this up. First off, yeah. First off, fantasy football stats guy. The Rams are 99% rostered. Of course, you'd pick them up against Houston uh, if you wanted to. I wanted to address that quick. I don't think, see any other questions that we didn't get to. Um, oh, yeah, you didn't let me have my Allen Robinson, why we should drop him this week's segment. <laughs> um, but, yes, you can drop Allen Robinson. And, uh, yeah, of course. So, last thing, you know, we got back-to-back UFC pay-per-views. So, right after this, I'm going to do a show with John. And, uh, and you know, our Fight IQ guys are going to be back on, on Friday. We're going to have two betting articles and a bunch of DFS articles up on the website for UFC 267. And then UFC 268 the next week, we're going Fight Island to Madison Square Garden back-to-back weeks. Thank you for letting me have my UFC rant. I really appreciate you guys checking out the content over there, too. You know, got to love the little passion project here. You know, of course, we're always here for football, number one. But, uh, you know, the rest of my week after the show, actually, I got one more podcast to do tomorrow, football-related, but the rest of my week's all UFC. So uh, hopefully you guys will let me a hand and check that out. And thanks to everyone for tuning in. Uh, you know, we missed the end today, but we still got a nice amount of comments, and, and we love that. So thanks, everybody, uh, for, for chipping in and helping helping drive the discussion in what was otherwise, you know, a generally, generally light waiver wire period. But hopefully we threw out enough names to uh, give, you, give you some options. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.